This is Christopher Calloway. Welcome to Creator Talks. George Thorogood, Valerie Bertinelli, and Aubrey Plaza are three of Delaware's own who work in the arts. Being added to that list beginning in March is writer Leela Gwen. She is one of Delaware's own and is publishing her first comic book through Dark Horse Comics titled Bad Luck Chuck. It is the story of Charlene, who was born with the ability to create bad luck for people and decides to monetize on that ability. This is where her luck takes a turn for the worse. Leela describes the book as a slapstick noir, a mix of comedy and drama. The title is being released on March 27th. The amazing creative roster on the miniseries includes Matthew Dow Smith on art, Kelly Fitzpatrick on colors, and Frank Sedkovic on letters. How did Leela's story evolve from just a few pages into a four-issue miniseries? Leela explains how networking at Comic-Cons ultimately led to a publishing deal for Bad Luck Chuck. Leela also discusses a few important causes that provide support to those suffering from physical and emotional pain. She has dealt with one issue in particular that affects over 200,000 women in the U.S. every year. She shares her own struggle with this condition during her interview. And in our fun question segment, Leela talks about traveling to Jamaica, the oddest job she ever had, and running long-distance races back in the day. This show is sponsored by The Comic Book Shop at 1855 Marsh Road, the Plaza 3 Shopping Center in Wilmington, Delaware, where comics are for everyone. Just be nice. And now join me with writer Leela Gwen, here now on Creator Talks. Leela, welcome to Creator Talks. Hey, thanks for having me. Where did you grow up? Was it in the South? Um, mostly in the South, but all over the South. My parents moved around a lot. Alabama originally, which you can tell from like thick accent. Also, we moved like 13 times before I turned 13. Wow. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> Was it hard like making friends? Like how how do you do that? I mean, moving every year. Holy cow. Were they in the military or something? No, they were just weirdos. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, were they on the run? <laughs> <laughs> Can't really talk about that for legal reasons, though. Um, <laughs> my dad worked for an airline, um, so there was a lot of moving because of that. And before that, my mom was just a rolling stone. She just didn't like to sit still for too long. Uh, yeah, I mean... You want to dig into why Leela is an awkward nerd? It's because comic books are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, you know, when you don't know anybody at the new place, you always know Storm is going to be there and she's going to be the same person she was in Tennessee or Texas or wherever you were last. So, yeah. Where did you end up? I am in Delaware now. Just like you see people, there are two people in Delaware. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, have you been to our sponsor, the comic book shop before? I have not. I actually was supposed to go up there for a signing for where we live, I think. And I actually had another family thing that weekend and it sucked and I was so upset about it. But at the same time, I had to do family stuff because family. So yeah, it's my intention to make it up there soon. I have my copy of Where We Live right here next to me. I was at the signing, and because I know that you're working with Matthew Dow Smith, and we're going to talk about that in a bit with the, the book coming up, Bad Luck Chuck. And you had yes. a contribution to the anthology Monsters, which um, I went back last night and read that because there's a whole bunch of stories in the book. I was like, oh, yes, I remember this one very well. And it's you know it was really interesting that this person 
you know, they're struggling with various mental problems and they're taking their medications and they go on to social media after the shooting. They see all these assumptions and people just lashing out, making assumptions about what happened, why it happened. And it took a call from one person to kind of keep them centered, keep them focused, not to give in to all the hate. And it's not about them specifically, but they, of course, you know, are scared, terrified. But they tell them, right. you know, you're fine. You're fine. That must have come from something, a personal place. Or I don't know. Tell me your idea for that contribution. Where did that come from? I have a lot of friends and family who um, deal with stuff like that every day. I, mean, I don't want to personalize it to, you know, but my brother is a combat veteran. My little brother, which really kills me, like the whole time he was in Iraq, I was just like, if anybody hurts him, I'm going to go full Rambo and just go over there and kill everyone. That's just how it's going to be because I'm a protective big sister. But now I find that my role is more like, hey, you are loved. You are not the person that people say you are. Like every time somebody comes up with, oh, I bet this person was a combat veteran. I bet they're PTSD, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And, and other friends, you know, that that mean a lot to me that every time I see it, every time it comes up uh, that day when Las Vegas, I reached out to, to several people and was just like, hey, just remember that this isn't about mental illness. One asshole who decided to do many hundred asshole things. It isn't about you. And when other people are trying to throw that blanket statement over you and everybody like you, they're being assholes, too. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, <laughs> last year was a horrible year, I think, for just about everyone. I know it was for me. Outside of the show, family and friends, it was pretty rough. I'm sure for you it was no exception. But I'm sure, you know, you fight on. You don't give up. What were some of the challenges that you faced that you can share? And what helps you stay on course? In my day job life, I had a, uh, a co-worker that uh, tried to torpedo my whole career and told a lot of uh, a lot of stuff about me that wasn't true that almost got me fired luckily I'm amazing so that didn't happen uh, <laughs> you know we discussed the fact that my brother is a combat veteran and uh, in one period of time he was losing one of his brothers a week um, his Marine Corps brothers a week to suicide and you know I was really really scared for him the whole time because you know I live hours and hours away from him all I can do is send him text messages and call him and be like hey I love you please don't leave that would really mess me up <laughs> and uh, I just saw a lot of my friends struggle you want to do everything you can to help but really there's only so much you can do as far as what I do to stay motivated is my head doesn't shut up about stories. And I know that stories can change the world um, because they changed mine. You know, when I was lonely and um, lost, I could find a book and hide in it. And it made me feel better. It made me feel connected. So my stories just, even if I'm not telling them to anyone, because you know, this is my, my debut book, you know, it has a, a thousand stories that no one will ever read, but they just keep me feeling connected. And I've got a good family and I've got good friends and I'm able to reach out to people and say, hey, 
and it helps. <laughs> and it's good. I'm not a big believer in resolutions for the new year. And we're in the early stages of the new year. And I wondered if you had anything, I don't want to say resolutions, but a goal or things that you're trying to do this year on a consistent basis. I want to read more. This past year, I haven't read nearly enough because I was just so busy with running towards all these other things that I was trying to do. And I think it's really important to feed my brain. You know, I have professional goals and that sort of thing. You know, I'd like to see another comic book out, maybe not out on the shelves this year or in 2019, but at least rolling and and trying to get made because comics takes forever. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of comics, Bad Luck Chuck, number one, coming out March 27th. Now, this is your first comic published? Yeah, this is my first like miniseries. It's, it's the first thing I've done outside of an anthology. And you're working again with Matthew Dow Smith. What's it like working with Matt? How well do you know him? We are good friends. And basically it's because Matt's just such a nice person <laughs> that he just accepted the fact that I would just was like, hi, I'm Leela. I'm your friend now. <laughs> um, we met at cons and um uh if you're an, an aspiring comic book creator go to as many cons as you can and don't try to sell anybody a comic book just become friends with people yeah we became friends going to different cons and just seeing each other and uh just hanging out i'd sit at his table and sell books for him as well as i could and uh just chit chat and talk he actually offered me a 10 page backup in one of his creator owned books october girl and i wrote basically 10 pages of chuck and gave it to him and then we were kind of trying to work it out, try to figure it out. Somebody else was like, oh, we're doing this other thing and we're going to do 20 page stories. Matt was like, that would be perfect for Chuck. So I wrote another 10 pages for it. You know, we started kind of talking about it a little bit more and got some opportunities to talk to editors about it. It was just like, hey, pitch this to us. So I was like, all right cool you know i can write you know, a couple more pages and round this out to a full book and um it got rejected once but we didn't give up dark horse saw it and was like yeah which is great because i think it's a perfect book for dark horse it was just literally just kind of stumbling forward into a good thing based entirely on Matt being amazing. I've talked to him. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a super nice guy. We all get rejection, and the thing is to not give up with the first one, you know, because it's going to happen. It takes several times Absolutely. knocking on that door. The colorist on the book is just as important, Kelly Fitzpatrick, and she's worked on Bitch Planet, Archie Meets Batman 66, Archie 1941. I've read them all. <laughs> so yeah. it's, tell me about working with her. What can you share about your choice of Kelly as colorist and your collaboration with her? Kelly's a friend. I met her at a con. Okay. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where I was like, Matt and I were going through who we could work with on this. And he was like, well, I've worked with so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And I was like, oh, they're really good. And uh, he was like, you know who I haven't worked with yet? I haven't worked with Kelly Fitzpatrick. And I was like, I know Kelly Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Let me see if I can talk to her. Like I'm the cool kid in this situation. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I hit her up and I was like, hey, we're doing this thing. It hasn't been picked up yet, but 
we can do the first two pages and, you know, we're doing the pitch it and, you know, what do you think? And uh, so she did the first two pages for us and that's when it got picked up. I'm going to tell you, I firmly believe it, it got picked up because of the team that I put together, not because of <laughs> like I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> like the Dark Horse was like, wait, we got Matthew Dow Smith and Kelly Fitzpatrick and, and Frank Sitkovic on this. Okay, who's that other chick? <laughs> <laughs> but it sealed the deal. Yeah, yeah, it worked out great. And Kelly's great. At one point, I was like, hey, her skin tone, because Chuck is um, half Tibetan and she's Tibetan and English. And um, I was like, you know, her skin tone's a little a little white. Can we do something for that? And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. And she fixed that. And that's the only thing that we had to adjust because her instincts are really, really good. And she knows for the feeling that we're going for. And she's a pro. She knows what she's doing. So. And looking at the solicit, which is in this month's previews catalog, you have a little quote there from Chuck Wendig. Another friend. <laughs> Violent and delightful, he says. Bad luck, Chuck. Is Chuck approved? You got an approval from Chuck for Chuck. That's great. He's awesome, Chuck Wendig. You know, if you don't know his work, it's great. I didn't meet Chuck at a con. I met okay. Chuck on Twitter, and then I went to a reading and a signing for him, and then we just became friends. I probably shouldn't tell people that because they'll be like, oh, they're friends. That doesn't mean anything. But I firmly believe that if he didn't like the comic book, he would have just slid it it's digitally back to me and been like, okay, well, I'll pretend that I didn't read that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll just say nothing rather than say anything bad. Right. Getting into the book. Now, I haven't read it yet, but I have read the preview page, which looks great. And the description of Bad Luck Chuck reads, Charlene or Chuck Manchester. Reading that page, she reminded me of the Scarlet Witch in that she was born with an ability. Like the Scarlet Witch has this ability to create hexes that makes things go haywire for her foes. Mm -hmm. Are you a Scarlet Witch fan? I'm a Marvel girl from birth. And, and I've recently been rewatching um, the last Avengers movie and just lamenting the whole Scarlet Witch thing. Because I'm like, she's an Omega-level mutant, guys. She killed everyone at one point she was thanos literally and um like she killed everyone but she can't handle these these lackeys thanos is like children what what no this is not okay and and vision has the freaking uh, mind stone and he's got one he's got one and they can't handle these guys no i'm utterly reject this completely <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, someone needs to go back, read some more of the Scarlet Witch and Vision, and uh, go back and read the miniseries <laughs> from the 80s and all that stuff and uh, get a better handle on the relationship and their powers. <laughs> right, yeah, I'm just like, you guys have made them look like punks, and they are not. They don't need They don't need a, a, a calf to show up and falcon. They don't need any of that. <laughs> they are, they are a, a two-person destructor team. <laughs> The vision was taken out too quickly, too fast, and like he really didn't do a whole lot after that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cut him off I the mean, knees. I mean, come on. Give him a, a British accent so that no one thinks he's tough. We can just. <laughs> <laughs> Reading this one page of the book, what she's going to do with her power is monetize. Monetize. That is a word that's become more and more in use. It's not a new word, but. I think I've heard it more in the past 10 years than ever before because we used to say 
profit from or capitalize and now it's monetize and that got me thinking about how funny it is and you probably hear the same thing in the office buzzwords that someone very high up will use a buzzword and it would just filter all the way down it reminds me of a musical called the whiz you remember that mm-hmm. okay and how yeah. like you know the wizard would say today the color's green everybody would sing about green and then today the color's red and everyone would be singing about red and they did whatever the whiz said it's a funny thing i find about language how powerful it can be if one person uses a buzzword I think the internet made monetization a thing, really, because people were suddenly selling things that they didn't sell before, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you have a blog where you give your opinions, monetize it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, you know, because it sounded more fancy than saying profit from it, you right. know? <laughs> I think that it's very much an internet thing. Chuck's very much kind of a millennial. The idea for all of this came from if you do anything and you should share it on the internet, you're like, hey, look, I made a cookie. People are like, are they good cookies? Yeah, they're good cookies. They're like, you should sell those cookies. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, I just made the cookies because I was stressed out. And they're like, no, 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 you should make that a job now. You know, like there's no space for um, relaxation or doing anything because you enjoy it. It's just sell it, sell it, sell it on the internet. You can sell it on the internet now. You get an Etsy shop and you can sell it. <laughs> It's like, no, I want to enjoy it. (laughs) That's what this is right here. What I'm doing here, I'm not trying to monetize this. There's other ways to make a living. I don't want this to be that. I want this to be fun. Right. But you should monetize. I mean, you've got to eat. You want to do what you want to do, you know, being a writer, working in the arts. Monetize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's basically where that came from because I was like, man, I wish I could monetize some of this crappy stuff. (laughs) Instead of selling all the good stuff in my life, can I sell the crappy stuff? And, you know, I had a run of bad luck and I was like, I wish I could sell my bad luck. And it got the wheels turning and Chuck was born. I also read you wrote a lot of this on your phone. Just when you could jot something down, you didn't have to go get in front of your computer or pad of paper or whatever. I got my phone. I'm just going to start banging things out as they pop into my head while they're still fresh. Yeah, Google Docs, man. It's the best thing in the whole world. Um, I've got my drive on my phone, and I just bang it out whenever I get a chance. How do you go about writing most of your work? You've used the phone for this, but what is generally your approach? How do you get yourself ready and comfortable to begin writing, besides stretching, which is very important. (laughs) You don't want to have... uh... Well, first you stretch, and then you drink a glass of water, and then you... <laughs> um, honestly, I have to start on paper. It feels too permanent when you type it at first. So I grab a notebook. I have 10 million notebooks with the first five pages written in, and then the rest of the, it is empty because at that point I feel strong enough that I can actually do something with it. I'm like a, an ecological disaster that way. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I start on paper and I'm just doodling ideas and uh, come up with an outline, which is the least inspired way for anybody to write. Everybody's like, like the seat of your pants and thinking things. Nope, I need an outline. (laughs) I need to know exactly what's going to happen. Write out an outline, do page breakdowns from it. And then I break down the pages on a, a document so that I know for the next three pages, this is what I'm writing. I make it fit and if it doesn't fit then I have to go in and rethink the whole thing yeah that's how I do it I break it down by pages write those pages and at the end you have a script an outline is a good place to start with just about anything I have to have a framework right I'm trying to teach this to my son he's seven and his homework last night was write a paragraph about bridges everything you know and he likes to rush through his work so he's doing it he brings it to me I'm done two sentences 
Bridges are made of all kinds of things. I use bridges to get places. I'm like, okay, that's not a paragraph. Now, and I just said, just tell me, just tell me what you know about bridges. Okay. Now, where have you gone using a bridge? Okay. Now write about what they're made of and where they can take you. So I made him think through it first and just talk to me about it. And then after <laughs> fixing spelling and everything else, which was a disaster, but I said, son, this isn't easy. I said, and a lot of people can't write, but I'm going to make sure you can write. And it's, you know, he's only like in second grade, but still there's got to be some form. And that's what I do is I think about something a lot and then I frame it and then I start writing. Yeah. I mean, if I had to run by the seat of my pants, I wouldn't end up anywhere. I would just end up running around in circles for 400 pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already discussed how you squeeze in time to write using your iPhone. Do you squeeze in time still for comics, movies, or streaming on television? And if you do, what do you like to watch or read? I definitely do. I have a particular affection for really cheesy horror movies. Like the cheesier, the better. If the monster is coming up and it's obviously made out of styrofoam and modeling clay, I'm like, <laughs> yes. Oh my God, yes. Um, I really enjoy, for the most part, for the most part, you know, all the Marvel movies have been pretty good, except for, well, they went through that little period of time where the X-Men just... That was before Marvel Studios. <laughs> like, I just want to explain to the people that put that wig on Halle Berry's head that that wasn't okay and they should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not going to even discuss the first movie iteration of Deadpool like that's just not even a thing um but I love movies I love novels I love comic books I love all of it uh like I said this past year has been kind of crazy and well I shouldn't say crazy that's bad don't say crazy <laughs> it's been ridiculous it's just I've been working day job you know 60 hours a week and trying to write my debut miniseries and ha! <laughs> it's been great i really really enjoy um urban fantasy where it's gone now which is a kind of a darker spookier place which is fun i read romance novels and i'm proud of it so deal with that uh <laughs> And as far as comics go, I bought Headlopper not too long ago. Really enjoying that. I've been picking up some stuff like that I hadn't picked up before. Of course, slows down my ability to keep up with what's new, which is maddening. But comics just keeps going. But um, picked up a hardcover of Black Sad. See, you know, I'm like, well, this is the noir thing, right? Like this is, you know, comics doing noir in a weird way. Um, so I picked that up just to kind of look at it and say, all right, what's that? And I love it. So beautiful. So beautifully drawn, too. I've got my stack of books here. My ultimate Star Wars characters and creatures books. Glitter bomb. Let's see. This is what's on my desk right now. Quantum Teens Argo. Uh, the Movement, which was canceled too early. Uh, skull Kickers. So you're a Jim Sub fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sex Criminals. And Paper Girls. So that's what's on my desk right now. So you have to get through all that. <laughs> yeah. Glitter Bomb's great. I've read that. Yeah. The books you read, the comics you're reading, how do they influence your writing style? Gosh, that's an impossible question. Ask me a harder one, would you? <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I try really hard to emulate certain things. You know, I think that a lot of what I read is really good at showing emotional motivation. And that's really what I aim for so that you can understand where the character's coming from and not just this person bouncing around like a ping pong ball, just doing whatever. And the thing that most of what I really love has in common is a deep emotional motivation and um, connection between the characters that feels more than superficial. Now, outside of comics, and I'm going to give you a chance to talk about any causes or any organizations that you think are important to support. RAIN, for sure, helps people who have been uh, sexually abused, um, raped, all kinds of uh, domestic abuse. Um, Trevor Project, helping kids that are uh, LGBT get out of bad situations, bad family situations. And then for me personally, the Endometriosis Project, anybody who is familiar with me knows I had um, stage four endometriosis and it almost ruined my life. It not killed me. So uh, a lot of people don't know about endometriosis. It's really common. One in 10 women have it. So there's a lot of research that needs to be done on what can be done to help women and people with uteruses who have endometriosis. I've heard stories from people I know suffer from that as well. When they were younger, the doctor would just say, ah, just take some Tylenol. They didn't know what it was, and they just kind of poo-pooed it. Their pain, you know, and it gets worse and worse as time (laughs) goes on. The doctors didn't take it seriously. Yeah, I got into the place where my entire intestine was pulled over to my left side. (gasps) Yeah, yeah, and it was sitting on both the nerves and the blood supply to my left leg. And I'm like, hey, my leg keeps going numb. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they're like, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No. Just take this gabapentin. You'll be fine. It's funny because I kept going to different doctors, and they kept going, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And then finally a doctor looked at a picture from the inside of for the first surgery that I had and uh, said, where are your intestines? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Where I left them. In this picture, your intestines should be here. They should be right there, but they're not. Where are they? And I'm like, that's a good question. (laughs) But she wasn't willing to go find out. So I had to go find another doctor (laughs) and say, hey, do you know where my intestines are? It's uh, it's like that children's book, Are You My Mommy? Yes. Uh, do you know where my intestines are? <laughs> <laughs> God, it's not a perfect science. I mean, finding a good physician that can kind of root out what the cause is, personally for me, talking about things that are causing issues, and this is nothing like what you went through. I was limping, and I was like, oh, what happened to my toe? Did I break it? And then it got to be excruciating. It was like I was on fire, and I'd soak it in ice, and like it wouldn't stop. And I went to the doctor, and I said, do I have an infection? Is it you know something I picked up in the locker room showers? They'd do a test and say, no, I don't see that. And it took me like six months to find out that's a form of arthritis. I'm like, it is? We better get on that right away and take this. Gone. Full remission. But I was right on the edge of having serious damage because no one knew what it was. Again, it took three doctors to figure out exactly what it was. And then I got to the right one and he put two and two together and said, I think you have this. And he was right. You got to be persistent. Get answers. I was taking like nine over-the-counter anti-inflammatories every day. And that's not a good long-term plan. And it didn't help. No, that's 
bad for your stomach and your liver. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. That's all under the bridge and everything's great and I can run and do everything and it's like it never happened. But whew, yeah, advocate for yourself. Keep pushing. On that cheerful note, I have fun questions I ask all my guests. <laughs> what a smooth transition. You can hear the gears grinding when I do that. <laughs> the first one's easy. What do you like to do for rest and relaxation when you're not writing? Or working. I read. I watch a lot of cheesy horror movies, as we discussed previously. I am currently dogless. Previously, I would have been spending time with my dogs, but uh, you know, uh, now I just have cats. So it's you don't have a choice whether you snuggle your cats or not. They just are like, "Hi, I'm, it's I'm here." Time. Yep. <laughs> you are writing. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, it's time to snuggle your cat. Uh, yeah, and um, it's sitting around and watching TV. Isn't that terrible? I used to be an athlete. <laughs> oh, what did you used to do? I was a runner. Doing like track or cross country? In high school, I was a competitive runner. I, and I ran all three seasons. I ran spring track. I ran cross country. Oh, wow. and I ran indoor track in the wintertime. I don't know. Running was apparently the only thing that made me happy at the time. Um <laughs> Uh, when you leave school and you're like, wait, um, this isn't competitive anymore. I don't get to beat anyone. What? No, that's not fun. No. Um, and plus, you know, with the whole leg going numb thing, it became difficult. I bet. So what distance did you run? What was your, uh, your event? I was a long distance runner. So I ran the quarter mile relay, the half mile relay, the one mile relay and the two, or the one mile and the two mile. I share some of your pain with that because I would get stuck in the quarter mile, which was just like you run all out, you're ready to throw up when you're done, and that's a good run. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was uh, do that and then go drink a Gatorade because in 20 minutes you got to do it again. Oh. <laughs> it's oh. twice as long as this time. <laughs> oh my God. One and I was done. One lap, that's it. I like the indoor track because. You went from 400 meters down to 300 meters. So it was still tough, but not quite as tough. And I could hang a little longer. So that was like the perfect distance for me. But <laughs> I don't do that anymore, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> yeah. Now, thinking back to a birthday, anyone, which one was your favorite and why? Now, like, I'm torn between telling you a cute story and, like, an absolutely awful story. <laughs> you can tell me, too. And you can end on a high note <laughs> with a happy one. Okay, absolutely awful story. For my 15th birthday, my parents threw me a surprise party, but forgot to tell the person that they had sent me to the beach with this person, forgot to tell them that there was going to be a surprise party and that they needed to be back at a certain time. So I walked in as people were leaving with cake. No. <laughs> my, my parents forgot to invite me to my own birthday party. <laughs> they forgot the guest of honor. <laughs> I was like, I was like, why does everybody have cake? And they're like, that was your surprise birthday party, and you didn't bother to show up. And I'm like, you know that that's not how surprise birthday parties work, right? <laughs> you got to, you got to tell somebody to get me here. <laughs> they got too wrapped up in the details. Right. <laughs> they're like, I bought a cake what else do you want <laughs> being a grown-up is great because you get to do your own thing you get to be like hey you know what i'm doing for my birthday i'm going to jamaica but yeah you know uh i for my 20th birthday i took myself to jamaica 
I went by myself because my friends chickened out. There were riots in Kingston. They were terrified of the whole island because of Kingston. Uh, Kingston's like up here, and we're going into Grill was like here, and they were like, they were like, I'm not going. There's riots. And I'm like, oh, come on, it's it's an island. They're like, it's a tiny island. I'm like, oh, come on. Um, so I went by myself for my 20th birthday. I had a great time. It's wonderful. So you would go back? Highly recommend it. I have gone back. Big fan of Jamaica. The first time I went to Jamaica, 20, by myself, I didn't actually leave the compound of the like resort that I was in. When I went back, I actually did. We were, like took a taxi into like actual Jamaica, and it's beautiful. The people are great. The food is wonderful, and I just I love Jamaica. Yeah, everybody should go. I've been to the Caribbean, only to Puerto Rico, but we've talked about things like, oh, maybe we can try something like Jamaica someday or some other islands, you know. How is the uh, English speaking in Jamaica? Just about everybody spoke English that we encountered, um, and they had a hard time with my accent. (laughs) Really? Okay. Uh, Well, you know, I mean, like the, the accent difference, you know, everybody's like, oh, I couldn't understand their accent. Well... To them, I'm the one with the accent. I'm in their country. <laughs> um, but everybody was super, like, curious and friendly and wanted us to see where they were from and wanted to tell us about stuff. And we went to a place called Blue Hole, which has, like, this mineral pool. And my skin was the softest it's ever been in my whole life. Um, my skin when I was born wasn't as soft as when I came out of that pool. And there was like the ruins of a hotel that somebody had started building and then didn't finish. So we got to wander around in there. It was pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. I do want to check that out someday. There's a lot of things I want to check out, but (laughs) that one I really want to. And I'm sure I wouldn't have trouble convincing the missus that we should do that. Now, thinking back to middle school, posters and pictures on your bedroom (laughs) wall, what do you recall having? I'm going to disappoint you here because I moved around so much that I did not bother putting posters and pictures on my wall. So, yeah, no, I had boxes of books, but not not a whole lot of pictures on the wall, unfortunately. (laughs) You've had boxes of books Mm -hmm. and you've read a lot of books. So my next question, if you were stuck on a deserted island, what would be the one book that you would want to have with you for fun, for pleasure reading? Okay. Um, the only book that I've ever read and reread and reread and reread um, would be The Gunslinger, um, which is the first book in the Dark Tower series. Mm-hmm. After reading The Gunslinger, of course, I would have to like act out the rest of the series myself if I only had one book. All right. Now, if you were an action figure, what would be your accessory? I definitely have to have a knife and with the Kung Fu grip. Um, for, <laughs> for you youngins who don't know, <laughs> that just means that my hand would be formed in a C shape so I could hold said knife in hand. I'd probably have, well, I definitely have a book, probably a monkey, just because why not, right? You're an action figure. You need a pet monkey to sit on your shoulder. <laughs> Now, when you're kicking back and relaxing, not working, what is your beverage of choice? Seltzer water. Okay. Yeah, I drink a ton of uh, black cherry seltzer water. Uh, If you cut me, I bleed bubbles. Uh, if I'm, I'm in an adult sort of mood, it would be rye, probably, particularly Angel's Envy rye, because this is an imagination and I can afford a $100 bottle of rye. <laughs> I'm sure you have to work really hard so that you can make your dream, your passion of being a writer of comics 
reality and you're on your way. But on that road, what is the oddest job you've ever had? Uh, my very first job was at a costume store, a Halloween store. So I had to dress up every day in costume. But my boss was kind of creep. So he would try to choose the costumes that I would wear. Um, so I would choose to be Princess Leia because obviously, right? With the bun wig and the whole nine. <laughs> but he would try to put me in the I Dream of Genie costume. Oh, I thought he'd go for the slate outfit or something. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he wasn't a nerd. Okay. He was, so he was just like, yeah. Um, and kind of an old guy. So it was just basically pink underwear with some, like, gossamer pink fabric pants over them. Mm -hmm. And like, this tiny crop top. I was like, this makes no sense. I'm not even blonde. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we would go fight back and forth. And then I would get the Maleficent outfit and scare tiny children but that was the best too because we would we would we didn't care much about how much we sold so we would scare the living daylights out of people um we would dress people up in a full costume with gloves and mask and everything and have him stand in the middle of the store like he was a display <laughs> <laughs> and then people would like turn his back and he'd grab them <laughs> <laughs> or we'd rig a um, Chucky doll um, from the ceiling with a slip knot so that we could just pull the the rope and it would fall and we'd drop it on people's heads uh, <laughs> when they walked by. It was the best. <laughs> I highly recommend having a job when you're young that is just messing around. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. You can always get another yeah. one, right? <laughs> right. I mean, we were only going to be there for a couple months anyway. How last forever <laughs> i say as i'm wearing a halloween shirt right now <laughs> <laughs> yes this is a podcast but it says spooky and it's orange <laughs> yes <laughs> since you like that chucky doll that must be one of your favorite cheesy horror movies is chucky i love the child's play movies because you know they just don't take themselves too seriously they're just like hey hey it's a my buddy doll only it murders people <laughs> you're like yes <laughs> Again, for the children, my buddy was a doll in the 80s that they tried to sell to young boys with the idea that it wasn't a doll. It was your buddy. If you could travel through time back to a certain period of time, to a certain era, not to a specific moment in time, but to a certain era, what would that be? The 1980s? I don't think I would survive earlier than that. I mean, I really, really like things like, you know, medicine and cars and computers. I don't, uh, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be a good Victorian. Um, my hair color would be a problem. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would just, uh, take, if, see if I could take modern hair color back to the 1980s and be like, Hey guys, this is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've thought about that question myself. Um, not about my hair color. Uh, but um, just about like what period. And I'm thinking, well, aesthetically and fashion-wise, I like this and this of this century. But then I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I'd be dead. I need to be like here and now with the medicine and the technology. Because I, th I don't think I would have lived that long. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't. I've been like, my leg feels funny. And they'd be like, let's chop it off. <laughs> right? <laughs> My toes kill me. Well, here's a cane. I can't see. Well, here's some glasses, uh, if we could find some in your prescription. So, yeah, I would be in big trouble. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be real. The, right now, 
sucks, but it sucks less than any other time. <laughs> yes, that is true. My final question for you is thinking about interviews that you've done. What is the one question that an interviewer has not asked you that you would like them to ask you something people don't know about you, but that you do want them to know? That's key. What is that one question? Like, gosh, I wish somebody would ask me about this because I want to talk about it. Oh, golly. I hate to say this, but I am just the most loudmouth person on the planet. And if you want to know anything about me, just go to my Twitter <laughs> because I am, I'm like, hey, do you guys want to know what I ate for lunch? No? Okay. Well, here, let me tell you all about my childhood. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wish I were more private just because, you know, then there'd be some mystery about me, but uh, there really isn't. I'm like, hey, here's the thing that's happening with my medical condition. And, and golly gee, guys, uh, you want to know about, you know, PTSD, what it's like to be, <laughs> you know, the sister of somebody who's uh, living with some PTSD? Here. Um, <laughs> like, I'm... I'm horribly TMI, like, and I'll tell people, I'm like, hey, guys, guess what? This is going to be a TMI situation, so if you want to shut, you know, if you don't want to participate, just uh, mute me for a while. Uh, I have very good friends who are like, I just muted you on Twitter because I just don't need to know all this. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone says, hey, how's it going? They're going to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tell people all the time it's um, my anti-aging routine is just that I don't lie. Because <laughs> um, lies put lines on your face. So if you ask me how I am, you're probably going to find out. <laughs> well, I think you're doing well. Bad luck, Chuck number one, coming up. Leela Gwen with art by Matthew Dow Smith and Kelly Fitzpatrick. It's going to be a miniseries starting March 27th through Dark Horse Comics. Right, and I'd like to point out that my letterer is Frank Setkovic. He's awesome, too, and I love him, and I'm never going to leave him out because um, letters do a lot of hard work. Well, we'd have nothing to read without the letters. Exactly. <laughs> Did you meet Frank at a con? I met Frank on Twitter. We uh, hung out at... Rose City Comic Con one, one year, and uh, he's just a great guy, and uh, he's wonderful. Yeah. The unsung heroes of comics, and they should be sung. It takes a team to make these things. Yeah, I mean, if I had to do it, it would just be like, I'd be like, okay, well, Comic Sans has comic right in it. That's got to be the one we use, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is an art as well. Leela, thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Yeah, thank you for having me. Preview orders for the month of March are due on the 18th, so by the time you hear this, it may be too late, but final order cutoff for Bad Luck Chuck is March 4th. So if you're interested, see your local comic shop. Speaking of which, my local comic shop and sponsor of this show, The Comic Book Shop, has began using a new system if you're into technology and software. I want to share this with you. It's called Comic Hub. They use this to track purchases by customer, issue receipts, and also build what your want list is. So I have a copy of the app on my phone, and I can go through there and see which comic books I purchased in the past and which ones I have on order. And when I go to pick up my books, the shop scans each book's barcode. It goes into their system. And at that point, they'll ask me, do you want to add this particular book to your subscription list so I can get future copies? Or do you want just this one? And then they can mark it as such. And then I get an itemized receipt of my order, either in print or sent by email. And then before the next week's books come out, I get a list of what's supposed to be in my bin that week. Picture of the book, description, everything. So if anything's missed, I can shoot off an email and say, oh, geez, I forgot to add this. Can you grab a copy for me and put it in my bin? 
So it's a free app. If you want to check that out, go to your app store and take a look at it, see the comments about it, and uh, see what it's all about. Coming up next week on the show will be Tim Seeley. He is the creator of Hack and Slash. We're going to talk about his new series coming up through Aftershock Comics, Dark Red. And they get Tim's thoughts on the state of the comic book marketplace. Thanks for listening. The show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Alexa devices, and YouTube. And, of course, all the content is free. Just click that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a rating and or review on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. It is greatly appreciated. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. I hope you enjoy the Saturday Silver Age and Sunday Bronze Age comics from my collection and other pop items that I post on the weekends. And if you have items like that yourself or similar ones you want to share, please share with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Creator Talks Pod. And of course, to reach me by email, the address is contact at creatortalks.com. That's contact at creatortalks.com. I have several interviews already in the can, lots more on the schedule coming up soon, so there's lots of content coming your way every Thursday. And with all the content that's out there on television, streaming, the movies, podcasts, I do thank you for spending some time listening to this one today. Spread the word about the podcast and enjoy reading your comics this week. For Creator Talks, this has been Christopher Calloway. Until next time.